The world's longest-running comedy music concert series is back. I'm literally only here because I'm desperate for human interaction. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best ad for MarsCon comedy music track ever. MarsCon 2022 is taking place March 11th through 13th at the Hilton Minneapolis St. Paul Mall of America Hotel in Bloomington, Minnesota. Yeah, I haven't performed in a year. Let's do the hard one first. This year's event will have performances by The Great Luke Ski, Devo Spice, Insane Ian, Power Salad, Steve Goody, Versatile Fluff, Meow Meme, Rothschild, Bad Beth and Beyond, and this year's music guest of honor, TV's Kyle and Linzilla. There's only one thing to do, if you want to go moo-moo-moo, you do the cow. Hopefully this year they'll remember to bring their cowbell. I couldn't find it! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we don't even have a cowbell. <laughs> it's in the closet under a bunch of plastic Japanese crap. <laughs> Worth it. For more info on MarsCon, visit MarsCon.org. I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Breaking news. Uh, as we are recording, the news has broken that the, I guess we can't call them Netflix shows anymore, but uh, the Defender shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cade, Iron Fist, Defenders, and The Punisher is coming to Disney Plus on March 16th. This is Canada, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. And because um, these these Defender shows are TVMA R-rated, uh, um, the United States version of Disney Plus is getting updated parental control. So uh, little Billy doesn't end up seeing Jessica Jones and Luke Cage get it on right after seeing Encanto. So this is very interesting in that this is sort of an experiment in a way because this is the first time the American Disney Plus, the U.S. Disney Plus, I should say, is getting mature content. Now, it, in other countries, it does have that, mostly because they don't have Hulu like we have in the, in the, in the States. So they're getting, you know, they're, you know, depending on what country you're in, you can see the Pam and Tommy miniseries on Disney Plus. This is not something you would think about on the, on the streaming service that has Mickey Mouse on it. Yeah, um, outside of the U.S., Disney Plus is much more risque, but inside the U.S., it is absolutely PG-13 and below. But it seems to be changing, and I kind of hope it will very quickly. I would rather them just consolidate. I, I have both Hulu and Disney Plus myself, but honestly, I would... I would prefer to pay just a little bit extra and just have it consolidated under one. I would as well. You know, Disney taking that chance and having that mature content to see if it really, if it would work in the States. When Disney Plus launched, one of the, there is a a banner that came up right before it launched of, you know, the properties that would be on Disney Plus, and one of those properties was the Deadpool movies. It's not on the American Disney Plus, but 
it this now opens the door for that. Yeah, that it it would be another thing that I think would behoove Disney as they're trying to consolidate the brand would be that now that they have bought Fox and they do own Deadpool kind of outright again to move it over into one thing. You know, there is that Marvel tab on Disney, uh, on, on Disney Plus, that is. And it would be nice if when you click the Marvel tab, if you just got all of the Marvel stuff. I know you can't really get all the Marvel stuff. We've still got the, you know, Sony <laughs> issue. You know, it would be nice now that the Fox stuff is dealt with to consolidate again. And the American puritanical touchiness that Disney Plus is still dancing around, I I think it would be nice if they would just go ahead and set up like they're doing, you know, I mean, this is a great step forward, you know, put, put in your parental controls and have it so that if, if you're on an, an adult, you know, account or whatever that has R rated access, you could just click that button and have the entire catalog because I'd love to see stuff on there. Like, you know, Logan. Yeah. And like Deadpool. And, you know, I want to click that Marvel tab and just have everything. Also, with Netflix raising their prices this month, it would get a lot of people to go to Disney Plus if all of those more adult oriented, uh, adult rated films were on Disney Plus. It would make that more appealing. Are they moving S.H.I.E.L.D. over as well? Because yes. I know S.H.I.E.L.D. is leaving Netflix. S.H.I.E.L.D. is. Uh, that's also going to be on March 16th. Okay. So that is moving over to Disney Plus as well. Yeah. Okay. That, you know, it will be it will be good to have that in in the same vein. So I think that will consolidate all the television. Except for the ones that are on Hulu, such as like Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Right, Mo- right. Modoc and Hitmonkey and stuff like that. That's going to probably be staying on uh, on Hulu for the for the time being, but I wouldn't be against the idea of bringing them over to Disney Plus, at least in the US. And we and we still have stuff like the uh, the Gifted. Yeah. I I keep forgetting about that. I don't know why cuz I absolutely love that series and they should have con- continued it. Yeah, so Or Legion. Or Legion, yeah, that's another one that you kind of need that uh, R rating <laughs> thing for. That's a very adult series as well. It's time for them, you know, if they if they really want the to be the behemoths, I guess it's time for them to start really moving that all under. There's been a rumor that a new Daredevil series is in consideration over at, at Disney. So to have the previous series on there already to reintroduce the character to new audiences, maybe people, maybe the first time you ever saw Charlie Cox's Daredevil or Matt Murdock wasn't Spider-Man. You want to know more about this character. Now you do with this three season show and whatever's coming after. 
or maybe the first time you saw Kingpin was in Hawkeye, and now you know more about this character through uh, through Daredevil. That's a good point as well. Um, I hadn't really thought about that, but it would be nice to go back and, and watch that uh, for people who are just now coming into that. And, and uh, not not that David Tennant ever went away by any means, but he's having a little bit of a new moment uh, as well with some of the series that he's been on. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there might be a kind of Jessica Jones thing, at least for yeah. that first first season mm-hmm. that he's in. I don't know. It's it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. And if these characters kind of get a little bit of love and if Disney decides to go back to any of them, like with the thing you just said about Charlie Cox, you know, he's. Mm-hmm. He's showing up again in Spider-Man, and he might get a bit of a continuance. So That's what I personally want. I want these characters to be revived. I want these characters to be active in the MCU proper this time. And I'm pretty sure you can get most of these actors back. Maybe not the guy that played Iron Fist, from what I understand, but everybody else I think would at least consider coming back on board. The thing to me about Iron Fist was that he was the least interesting part about Iron Fist. I would have liked to have seen it continue with the female characters in that series. I wanted wanted a Daughters of the Dragon series with Misty and Colleen since they first interacted on in that and in the in the shows. I want it. Disney, give it to me. Uh, give me six episodes, Disney Plus series, Daughters of the Dragon, please. Yeah, that's where that show was heading anyway by the time it ended. And uh, I want I want Luke Cage to come back to finish off that that third season of where wherever that was going, because that ended on a cliffhanger that I need resolved. That was the best version of Danny Rand in that episode. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, give me Heroes for Hire like that. Yeah. So yeah, there are there are a few there are a few things I wouldn't mind seeing if uh, if Disney wants to throw a few bucks to to clean up Netflix's mess on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Though it is gonna be weird seeing the phrase a Netflix original series on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of a an interesting move now that Disney Plus just kind of has all these other things where it's like Disney Plus presents a thing we bought from somebody else because we can. You know, you're seeing 20th Century Fox logos, seeing the Paramount logos. Why not Netflix logos too? When you wish Let's move on. Let's get into our main feature here, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, for the next few weeks, we are kind of in an Oscar mood. We are going through the three Disney movies that are up for Best Animated Feature. First up, Raya and the Last Dragon, which got released pretty early in 2021. March, where, yeah, so if it's about a month, a year ago, was the release of Raya and the Last Dragon. We talked before about 
the star of this movie. Um, we can't really talk about this movie without talking about the star of this movie, Kelly uh, Marie Ke- Tran. Kelly, me, yeah, Kelly Marie Tran. We we had talked about her last time when we did our Last Jedi episode. Yeah, and the hate and, that she got just for being just for existing in Star Wars. Yeah, um, which was so. I don't want to say that it was entirely surprising to us, but I guess the level it reached was a bit surprising to us. She was getting like death threats. She had to go completely off social media because the sheer number of physical threats to her person by Star Wars fans. And it's not even the first time they've done that. I mean, they did it to uh, the kid that played Anakin Skywalker, the actor that played... Jar Jar Binks. They were one quit acting. One was driven to end their almost end their own life over the hatred by people whose favorite movie is Space Wizards. Yeah, it's really sad to me. You know, you can you can like a film, you can not like a film. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of this show, you know, it's mm-hmm. liking films, not liking films, talking about what we liked and didn't like about films. But my goodness, that level of hate for somebody that's just doing a job, mm-hmm. you know, even if they don't do the job particularly well, it's just a person doing a job, for goodness sakes. You can hate the character, fine, hate the character all you want, but when that char- when that hatred extends to the actor portraying the character, yeah, that's going a bit too far. And also, like, it's, uh, it's a story, it's a movie, and yeah, it's like stories and real. movies are important, but like, it's not the end of the world. It's go, just a movie. Go find something you like better. And love that. This was the thing she did after that. I loved that Disney kept her around. For all, you know, people hated her character and wished her dead. Guess what? She's a Disney princess now. Boom. Yeah. I mean, you know, Raya is not, at least as of this recording, part of the Disney princess official line. But she is um, a princess, and she is in a Disney movie, so I'm yeah. going to count it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm full, fully okay with calling her a Disney princess. She is a princess in a Disney movie, so yeah. And she does wonderfully in this movie. A very meaningful story, you know, this, like you said, this is based on Southeast Asian culture, her parents were Vietnamese refugees uh, during the Vietnam War and came to America, and she was born in America. It was very nice to see her have the chance to take this lead after all of that. Uh, Let's just jump into the cast then, since we're already talking about them. Along with Kelly Marie Tran, the other main character we've got in here is the dragon, the titular last dragon of Sisu, which is played by Aquafina. 
Nora from Queens herself. Yeah, I don't think we've really had a chance to talk about her before on the show. No, no. Um, because we haven't actually made it far up enough in the MCU yet to talk about Shang-Chi. But, you know, she's now in the MCU uh, through that. Starting her career as a YouTuber, doing funny rap songs on YouTube. Yeah, and then, like you, like you said, uh, Nora from Queens was her Comedy Central series. I think that's kind of how a lot of people knew her when she kind of hit it big. And then she really, really hit it big in Crazy Rich Asians around the same time so i i don't i don't know for most people kind of which which one was was where they saw her first i think i kind of heard her first you know because we're comedy music people Mm -hmm. so i i think i probably heard some of her comedy rap first when i heard her in this i i was like oh that's kind of right the right tone to have for the character very optimistic character in Sisu. Yeah, and it really plays off of Raya, who has been really beaten down by life at that point. She lived six years in hell, so that'll break anybody. Yeah, and so it's it's the difference between what the trauma that Raya has been through and then Sisu, who's basically been asleep for 500 years and doesn't understand the kind of world she's awakened to. So she still has that optimism from the before times, mm-hmm. I guess, which is, you know, really that cool. That would be, you know, that would be like someone who was in a coma in 2019, waking up now still with the optimism, having not gone through any of the COVID stuff. Oh, man. Can you imagine if you just like not experienced the last few years would that not be awesome yeah <sighs> so uh mo- moving on uh we have uh daniel day kim as raya's father don't think we've gotten to talk about him before he is a legend and i adore him uh been a fan of his for a long time johnny gat I mean, to me, I know him as Johnny Gaff from the Saints Row video games. Yeah, I I go I go back kind of further than that, I think, Um, because he he showed up in so much sci-fi back in the day. Uh, He was on a couple of Star Trek series. He was a regular on the uh, Babylon 5 spinoff Crusade. He was on Lost. The reboot the, of Hawaii Five-0. Yeah, I never watched that. I was going to say the, the less said about Lost, the better, and then you cut me off. So, haha, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> um, he was in the reboot of Hellboy, which I did not watch because, frankly, I don't care about any Hellboy that doesn't have Guillermo del Toro or, or Ron Perlman. Man, everything he's in, he's awesome. So and he does a great job here as uh, as Chief Benja. Yeah, when I saw he was in this, I was like, I'm sold. Speaking of people who will sell me on a thing, uh we have as uh Virana, the chief of Fang, uh Sandra O, oh, another legend. Goodness, where do you even start with her? 
Arliss, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, she's in Killing Eve now. Yeah. Which people keep telling me to watch, and I'll probably get around to it uh, someday. Um, she's in that new She-Ra. And then, you know, she's been in so many good movies. You know, she's in The Princess Diaries, which is such a great movie. Also, you know, in Disney Animated, uh, she was in the Mulan sequel. You know, Aquafina was one of the few Asian women to host Saturday Night Live. Sandra O oh was another. <laughs> so, you know, um, she uh, is just great in everything. So whenever I see her name on something, I'm just like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm there. She is so good in this. And I love Verona's styling. Like, she has the best hair. Yeah. Like I I love her. I like that whole white ensemble thing. You know that her whole thing is white, all white, and it kind of works. Yeah, because she's got the really cool gray hair at, with the undercut, and then she's got the all white ensemble to go with it. Everything you know, and then playing her daughter, Princess Namari, we've got Gemma Chan. Talking about MCU actors. Oh my goodness, yeah, she has played, like, everything in the MCU right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, more specifically, she was Minerva in Captain Marvel, and she is Cersei in The Eternals. She's played fewer roles in America, I guess. She has done so many roles in on British television, mm. and since I watch a lot of British television, I had seen her on... Sherlock and in Doctor Who and everything and then she started showing up in like MCU stuff and I was like oh hey girl <laughs> I've seen you in a lot of stuff but yeah and then um she was also in Fantastic Beasts the Harry Potter movie and then of course she was also in Crazy Rich Asians and she is so good in this too because she she gets like the the sort of villainous role for yeah, most of the movie. The closest thing to a villain we have in this movie are are Namari and even even Verona to an extent have that closest thing to a villain in the movie. Yeah, again, it's it's New Disney, so we don't really have any clear cut mustache twirling villains. But yeah, and then of course you know. Sticking with our MCU actors, we got Benedict Wong. Wong from Doctor Strange. Yeah. And another one who just whenever he shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're we're going to have a good time. <laughs> um, have you ever seen that um, Marco Polo show on Netflix? I have not. He plays Kublai Khan in that, and <laughs> it is just a treat. Perfect like, casting. Yeah, it is just it is just so good. Like every time he walks into a scene, you're just like, okay, I'm 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 about to have a good time. And even in in in, in the Doctor Strange movies and in more recently in Spider Man, he kind of has that same thing. Even in in when he shows up in Shang Chi, when he's yeah. on screen, he he all everyone's eyes is on him no matter what's going on in 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 the scene. Yeah, when whenever whenever that that portal opens and you just see Wong step out. You're like, okay, I'm about to have fun. 
<laughs> the whole movie can grind to a halt. We're just going to have a good time here for a minute. The uh, Benedict Wong show. Yeah, it's just going to stop for a moment. It's going to be the Benedict Wong show for a little bit, and we're all going gonna to love it. And then, of course, as uh, Sir, one of these things is not like the others. Uh, Alan Tudyk's in this. Our token white boy. Yeah, Alan, Alan Tudyk is uh, the uh, animal that doesn't talk and just makes random noises because that man went to Juilliard. <laughs> Still my favorite joke in the entire world. <laughs> Bless you, Alan Tudyk. We love you. Um, tuck, tuck the armadillo. <laughs> tuck, tuck the, the armadillo pill bug thing. He's the cute little animal that rolls around and does stuff and eats things and is just adorable and makes noises. Alan Tudyk is absolutely just Frank Welker 2.0, and I'm I'm so here for it. You know, as I said before, he's kind of become the good luck charm of uh, Walt Disney Animation. Like, you want your movie to succeed? Put Alan Tudyk in it. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I don't even care if the movie succeeds. Just put Alan Tudyk in it. Put Alan Tudyk in everything. As an animal. <laughs> I, or or a whatever. I, I really don't care. <laughs> put Alan Tudyk in as an extra that wanders in in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you can have Alan one Tudyk line in your movie. Enough. Yeah. It's a it's a good little cast they assembled. Uh, and it is a very small cast because this is a... Somehow a world-shattering apocalyptic movie that is very small in scope. This country of Kamandra is a very small country, but then that one country gets divided up into several smaller countries. There's not a, you know, it's not this we're going to travel all over the world kind of deal. It's just we're going to go to the next state over and do a thing. Yeah, I, I like that they keep it very contained mm -hmm. we're basically dealing with an an apocalypse that has happened to this one nation i guess it might be like even like a continent sort of in mm -hmm. like a an australia kind of sense yeah you know it's like it's this it's this one geographical location that has experienced a catastrophe. The beginning when we see Raya in the desert definitely gave me a, a fallout vibe. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's it, she even uses the word dystopia in her opening narration, which I liked, you know, mm -hmm. teach the kids the word dystopia. Come on. Good job. I mean, <laughs> the movie is smart enough that, that says, you know, we've seen this kind of movie before. Post-apocalyptic future, a lone warrior, you know the deal. Yeah, I, I do like that this film never takes its audience's intelligence for granted. Hmm. It's like, we know we're dealing with some very old story tropes. And we understand that you get it. And there have been people who have compared this to similar stories. And they're not wrong in that vibe. But, but you know, those stories have existed longer than the things they're being compared to. And yeah. those stories also drew from older things. So, you know what? I'm I'm not even going to I'm not even going to care to make those comparisons. Mm. Everything draws from everything else. There are no new 
things under the sun. Everything is a remix. And it was long before we were born. And it doesn't matter. For lack of a better term, as we kind of mentioned earlier, the closest thing to a villain we get in this story is the Fang Nation. Specifically, their queen and their princess. As they are they are the ones that come up with the plan to steal the dragon gem to begin with and cause the end of the world in the first place. Because all of the nations believe that because the na- the heart nation has the dragon gem that they are filled with prosperity. That's why everything good happens to their nation. So now they want it. And in this attempt to steal it, set off this apocalypse that now ravages the world and people are dying daily. And I, I do like this one part towards, towards I think, the almost toward the climax, where Verana is saying that she doesn't want the world to be saved because if the world is saved, everyone's going to blame them and come after them because it's kind of their fault. And, you know, she's not wrong in that. But here's the the interesting thing is that at the beginning of the film, Chief Benja says to, you know, young Raya, everyone kind of hates Hart because they think that the prosperity in Hart is because of the Dragon Gem. Immediately, Raya is like, no, it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just a gem that sits there. He says, yes, but everybody has assumptions about us, just like we have assumptions about them. And that's a nice little little lesson there. A little bit of, you know, again, this is a movie intended to be seen by children. So to kind of teach the lesson to the children watching of prejudice, you know, everyone has a prejudice about someone or something. So that's kind of the whole point of the beginning of the movie where Chief Benja is inviting members of you know the 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 chiefs of all of the nations to come together and have a meal together to bring peace between the nations you know we're 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 not all that different from each other and if we learn to get along we can rebuild our country again we can have peace between the nations again which is very optimistic of chief benja that he can believe that if all of the nations can see what we have in common together especially cooking the meal using ingredients from each of the nations that we're, we're not that different and we can come together and there can be peace. Yeah. But it doesn't go that way. Well, the, the interesting thing is, is that we find out that the only reason that heart has the dragon gem is it just happens to be the geographical location where the final stand took place. Between the druid and the dragons, yeah. Yeah, and and Sisu, you know, brings Raya back to the spot and says, this is where it happened. And Raya's like, yeah, this is where I broke the world. And Sisu goes, no, 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 this is where we created the dragon gem. And, like, look, here are the, you know, statues of my dragon brothers and sisters and she was like, I didn't even realize these were here because they've been there for 500 years. They're grown over with ivy and stuff. You find out that the only reason Hart had this gym in the first place is because that's just where it happened. 
it was dumb luck, basically. The people who were there were like, okay, well, this one stone is the only thing keeping the monsters away. We better guard it and make sure nothing happens to it so the monsters don't come back. That's it. That's the entire reason it happened. And of course, um, I do like at the beginning, Raya says, well, people being people, they're going to, you know, instead of this cataclysmic event bringing people together in peace, it just caused more war. Um, we did not intend to have this movie at the time. It is happening right now. Yeah, I mean, we we had this movie because the Oscars were coming up. Uh, and then stuff happened. Uh. Or, you know, e- even ignoring that, a virus going around the world. You think that that would bring people together and want to want to protect each other. No, because people are people. Yeah, it's it's really it's really awkward that they spent years making this movie and then it got pushed back because of of a pandemic and released in the middle of a pandemic. And the thing that they the monsters are constantly referred to as a plague. You know, it's like, okay, things we didn't see coming, you know. And Sisu even says that the literal plague is a manifestation of humanity's own hatred, which some have said is even worse than COVID. (laughs) The thing is, is that the dragons in the film are basically representative of humanity's goodness and optimism. And the Droon are the representations of, you know, all all the bad stuff. Humanity's hatred and warlike nature and jealousy and whatnot. jealousy and, you know, uh betrayal and mistrust and all that. And so the thing is is that when the the dragons, the last of humanity's optimism, came together and created this gem, it did drive the drone away, but because humanity was still mistrustful, it also fractured the continent. And you know, it it yeah. fractured this nation of Kumandra. So they were still never whole. It's probably not a coincidence that the people still tending to the optimism were also the only nation that was seen to be prosperous. I didn't see it. I didn't think about it that way, but you, yeah, you're right. People being people, they see, you know, as there's that phrase, misery loves company. When you see someone succeed, there's always going to be people who are going to hate that person simply because they're succeeding. No other reason. And I think, that's kind of feeding the 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 negative energies, yeah, the negative feelings from the other nations onto heart, because they're the prosperous ones because they're the positive ones, and everyone else saying, well, why are they successful? Why can't we be successful and just have the jealousy and and we see the members of the entire nation once they see the gem, they're all reaching for it, grabbing it, mine, 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 which causes the shattering of the world. But the thing is, is that we see the other nations throughout the course of the film and what it's like, you know, inside heart, 
Yes, Raya and her father are good fighters, but they are good fighters because they are defenders of the Dragon Gym. So they have specifically trained for the protection of the Dragon Gym. We don't really see, like, a big heart army or anything. We see a lot of farmers. We see a lot of artisans. We see a lot of, like, weavers and, you know, all that kind of stuff in the background. But we don't really see, like, a warlike nation. The army is consisted of the king and the princess. Yeah, it it pretty much seems like that, you know. And they just seem like a generally chill kind of people. But when we go to, like, Talon, I think it is, right, that's all on the water, and it's an entire nation of, like, pickpockets and greed. And we go to Tail, and it's an entire, it's just like a desert. I mean, there's five nations, but if they had split this up into seven, they could have easily done each nation being one of the seven sins. It kind of is, you know, and then Fang, we we eventually see Fang when when we get there. And Fang is talking about their need to expand because they have become an isolationist nation to escape the Droon. But in their isolation, they've also overexpanded their own borders because they've not been judicious about land usage and their management of resources and also they're over militaristic compared to using their resources to feed their people or you know whatever Mm. and so now they're talking about well we need to go out and take land from other people and take resources from other people so that we can expand because we can't stay on our tiny little isolationist island anymore then we see spine which by the time we see it is you know they've been overrun by the drone and everybody's been turned into statues but they were an entire warlike society that was you know just axes and you know mm-hmm. <laughs> traps and all this kind of stuff and so once again it also seemed like they weren't managing resources very well and also very militaristic and you know again it seems like even before the breaking of the gym heart was prospering because heart was the only one that was caring for its people rather than preparing for an upcoming conflict or warring with its neighbors or trying to be greedy and take from others or you know and we know that when namari is talking to raya when they are children and raya is asking all the questions of do you like this better than that she gets like which do you prefer stew or rice and namari says well i i haven't had rice in so long well of course she wouldn't you know rice takes quite a lot of land to cultivate and it's a very specific and you know all this kind of stuff so if they're not putting forth the land and the effort for that well of course you're not gonna have that output again 
And I find it very interesting the specific type of betrayal they use against Raya. That they had this whole plan of, like, go in there. Befriend the princess and then take the gem. Yeah. And I do like how this kind of comes back later because Sisu is so optimistic. You know, if you just give the chief a gift, then they will see that you've come in peace. And then later in the movie, she turns around. Well, guess what? Someone gave me a gift in good faith and stabbed me in the back. So you have two opposing, you know, the very optimistic Sisu and the very, you know, uh, pessimistic Raya, who has had literally, as I've said, six years of hell. Her entire family, her entire country turned to stone in one shot. And she has no one. Meanwhile, Namari at least had her family alive for the most part that she got to be you know, raised with her family. So you have Raya, who has been alone because someone she thought was her friend backstabbed her. And she has this great beast, this great mythical beast is telling her, you need to trust people. Knowing full well, well, the last time I trusted someone, it broke the world. You know, like the saying says, it's not going to be the end of the world if you did this. Well, guess what it was. The thing is, is that what Sisu is suggesting is exactly what Raya's father did. That was what Chief Benja was doing. I am inviting them here and I am giving them a gift, you know, this feast. Yeah. Yeah, I am sharing my bounty with them. And it's a bounty made of ingredients of all of the nations. Yeah. And in fact, that was also what Raya and Namari were doing. Namari gave Raya a gift of the dragon pendant. And Raya returned the gift of let me show you the dragon gem. Because, you know, these two have this one thing in common in that they both love dragons. And Raya thinks, oh, I can I can be friends with her because we both love dragons. And it's a start to a friendship. And when she trusted Namari, she Namari literally kicked her in the back. And got her dad killed for all intents and purposes. And I mean, her if, entire nation. But, you know. Yeah, because Fang wanted the gem. So... You can understand that both Raya and Sisu are not wrong from their own experience. Sisu had the experience of my siblings trusted me and it saved the world. And Raya had the experience of I trusted someone and it broke the world. And they're both equally correct. But I like that the story goes through showing them the perspective of the other that Sisu learns that this is the world that this is not the world that she was in the world that she left behind when she went to sleep yeah she learns that in Talon you know (laughs) it's like oh look uh I've almost gotten killed by this horrible chief woman who tries to you know throw me to the droon and you know because i trusted her because i trusted her i mean she has a very similar experience i trusted her i tried to give her a gift i you know didn't work out 
Raya starts to see that, you know, maybe you have to put a little more faith in people. She starts to have experiences like with the little con baby. I love love. con baby. The con baby with the little army of monkeys is just the cutest. The con baby, uh, Noi, is very similar to Raya in that, you know, Raya was just a child when she lost her family. And Noi is a baby, and she lost all of her family. So you can kind of see Noi kind of going down the same path that Raya did of becoming hard. And I like that we get the little explanation from the monkeys. She's like, you know, hey, where's your family? And one of the monkeys, like, mimes the little, you know, turning to stone. And Raya realizes, like, oh, oh, okay. We're in the same uh, boat here. Literally yeah. in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, she brings them along. She starts to collect this little family. You know, I, I love Boone as well. Captain Boone. Yes, Captain Boone. Um, Who also lost his entire family, you know. Mm-hmm. And now he lives in a boat on the water because it's the only way that the Droon won't get to him is yeah. to be on the water. He actually reminds me of a character in Fallout. There is a character in Fallout 4 that actually lives on the water and sells fresh water and, you know, hires you for some things and everything. And he's a he's a little kid around that same age. And he talks kind of that same way in that sort of slick salesman style. And so that this, this kid and it reminds me of that kid. He's a he's a fun character, you know, as he goes around and then, you know, him trying to deal with the nine stomached monkeys that are trying to eat all his his food. And and then, of course, they they pick up Tong, the lone survivor from Spine. Yeah, which is just awful. And you get the feeling that he lost his child. Yeah, because you see a, a crib in his in his home, and he immediately takes to the 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 con baby. Yeah, little Noi, and you know Tong as a father, the the only one to figure out Noi's name. He's like, yeah, it's it's written on her collar. What? Has no has none of you even bothered to check what this baby's about? And I was like, oh yeah, we we we're not used to kids, because most of them. It, are, or are also term. kids. Yeah, there two of them are. You know, we Raya's a teenager and Bounds a literal child. Yeah. You know, Sisu is every time you know Sisu touches the the little dragon gem pieces, and all she gets a little bit of magic from one of her siblings. Because mm-hmm. that's how they formed the gem was you know give, giving it their magic and so when she touches it she gets their magic and can use their powers which i think is a really cool thing in the movie because it's a nice little MacGuffin to give her the ability to do whatever needs to be done in the story yeah i mean oh we we need to hide sisu because she's a big old dragon well this piece will make you shapeshift yeah now you can be a human and it's like oh we need to get away quickly oh this piece gives you fog so we can get away in the cover of fog and like it, it's really nice but that part where she comes to save uh raya in spine 
and reveals herself as a dragon, Namari is just frozen because it's like, oh my god, there's an actual dragon. I've spent my entire life wanting to see a dragon. Now there's a dragon. And then everybody else in Raya's party is like, wait, is that weird chick like actually a dragon? But that moment on the boat where Raya's like, you can't come with us, it's too dangerous. And everybody on the boat is like, where else are we going to go? Yeah, there's nowhere else to go. The entire world is dying. Pretty much everybody is like, at le- we have lost at least two whole countries. Because everybody in heart is dead. Everybody in spine is dead. Everyone in tail is dead. Yeah, we kind of think everybody in tail is dead. Because we've never seen anybody from tail i guess at this point we see the chief who has literally a skeleton from trying to guard yeah her gem piece yeah there were five countries and now there are two i guess now one is a country of thieves and one is a country of war so the planet is not doing you know or at least the the bit of the planet we're focusing on here you know we're not doing well what are we gonna do stay stay on the ship and hope it works out well for you like no we're we're coming with but i like the the fact that they go through the plans of everybody and i like the fact that it's done kind of like a weird little anime when boone is setting out his his plan and he's like no i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna do that and there's all these little panels like coming up showing his plan and the very, very, very fine line where he says, the axe of bad axery. Yeah, the axe of bad axery, yeah. Like, if you're, if you're not paying attention, uh, a, a, a mama might hear, oh, what did that kid say? Oh, he's an axery. Yeah. But then I love that it gets to Sisu's plan, and she's like, and then I go up and I give her a gift. And she's like, oh, thank you for giving me a gift. Let's be best friends. And everybody's like, no, that's not going to work. We're going with Boone's plan because it's dumb, but it's not as dumb as that. I think that the climax to all of it, Sisu has gone through the whole thing of showing Raya where it happened. We get the full backstory of her siblings put all their magic into this gym and the thing is is that we never actually figure out if sisu actually has magic herself she's a really good swimmer yeah she's a really good swimmer uh which doesn't actually seem to be magic of any sort so you have a feeling you know like when we get to encanto you have a feeling she's kind of the maribel of the group (laughs) you would think the water dragon will control the rain right but no, that's her That's her brother's gift. But we've gone through that whole thing, and she convinces them, like, no, 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 you just have to trust Namari. I know she can do this. I saw it in her eyes. Yeah, and they get there, and she goes, hey, I, I know I can trust you. Then she pulls a crossbow out. Yeah, and... It turns out that no, Namari's not there yet. <laughs> it's been a miscalculation the entire time, and it ends up with 
Sisu getting killed. She gets shot. Literally gets shot. They say it later in the movie that if Raya hadn't interfered in that moment, maybe it wouldn't have happened. But her finger was on the trigger. Yeah, and I mean, the point is, you don't put your finger on a trigger unless you're ready to kill whatever you're aiming at. Yeah. Once this happens, Raya loses all sense of self. As as Tong says, she becomes blinded by her own rage. This want for revenge. You killed Sisu and I'm going to kill you. In the fight, Namari is all like, you know, well, Raya, this is your fault, too. But is it, though? I mean, she did throw the sword at Namari, which caused her finger, who was that was already on the trigger, to go off. Now, it's fair to that. But still, Namari had her finger on the trigger of a loaded weapon pointed at someone with the intention to shoot. Yeah, I'm still I'm still kind of just blaming Namari for this. The only thing Raya could have done differently maybe was step in front of the crossbow herself. But I must say that sword fight is excellently choreographed. Yeah, I really liked the sword fight. The cinematography of the two princesses walking towards each other and the fight itself very much like a samurai movie. And I like it. Every fight in this film, very well animated, very well choreographed. I love all the fight scenes in this film. Mm. And all the little, you know, the trap dodging and, you know, all that kind of stuff throughout the various scenes in the film. So good. The thing to me about the the resolution of the film, they finally stop fighting because the Droon have basically destroyed everything and they're it gets, literally the last living people in the world yeah it's it's a complete apocalypse it is a complete destruction of at least the society we see yeah as far and, as we know these are the last people in the world and the magic is fading because because of sisu's death the magic is fading from these pieces of the of the gem yeah, the thing that has been been protecting them for the entire film is the water. And they connect the water to the dragons. They say the dragons bring the water. So with the last dragon gone from the world, the water dries up. All of the rivers and the, you know, everything has have dried up. And there is nothing to protect them. And throughout the movie we see these dragon these the the pieces of the dragon gem driving them away and no, that's no longer working because the magic is fading from the gem. The gem, the the light and the gems are are fading. Yeah. So you know we have the the few people left. You know Raya's group and then Namari who has the the piece that Fang had taken, kind of driven into this little you know cave. Finally, Raya says, "Get." give me the gym and they say it won't work. And, you know, she says, well, give the gym to Namari. And they say, we won't trust her. You know, she's the one that broke the world. She's the one that caused all of this. And they're not wrong. As Sisu says, trust. Like her, her siblings trusted her, even though she herself wasn't sure that she could do it. So if they had faith in her, she would have faith in them. And, 
that's really what you need. You need you need to trust one to carry the burden, as it were. And Raya starts it here. Take my piece and I will let myself die to show you how much I trust you to do the job. Much like we see earlier in the movie where the other dragons give Sisu the gem and allow themselves to be taken by the by the Droon because they know that she can do it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I like how much it mirrors Benja's last words to Raya before he throws her off the bridge. Is he tells her, don't give up on them. Don't give up on humanity. Because that's what had just happened. You know, he he trusted the other people of Kumandra and they betrayed him. But even as he was about to be taken by the Droon, the last thing he wanted for his daughter was for her to have optimism and hope and faith in people. Optimism, hope, and faith in people. Uh, yeah, a lot of us have lost that over the last three years. Yeah, I'm not lie. it is interesting. And they, the thing is, is that right before Sisu died... That was the last thing she was saying was that, you know, I I trust you, Namari. I have faith in you that you will do the right thing. And that is Raya's last statement as well. The rest of her group does the same thing. And Namari considers running. She has that moment where she considers taking the gym. But the thing is, is that where is she going to go? She is the last person on Earth, basically. We even see right before the fight that the Droon had gotten to her mother. Even if she runs, there's nowhere to run to. And the light is is fading in the gym. Yeah. So she puts the gym back together and goes and stands and puts her hand on Raya and lets herself be taken. And the interesting thing is, is that I like that there's some subtle things that happen here that I'm not entirely sure I've seen discussed when people talk about this film, which is that humanity kind of dies here. Everybody gets taken by the Droom. There is no one left. But her last act was to rebuild the gem, which means that the only thing of humanity that remained was hope. So the thing about humanity that died was the hatred. And it's a nice it's a nice visual of seeing all of these team members, one, you know, members of all of these nations coming together in that one moment. Yeah, and I really do like the the visual of that. Sisu said that the Droon took all of the conflict until nothing remained. And the thing is, is at the end, they did take all the conflict until nothing remained. And there there are no no people left and no conflict. And the only thing that remained was that one little glimmer of optimism and hope. And that little glimmer of hope is enough. You know, the light sparks, the light shines brighter than ever, destroying the do- the, the drone. 
and saving the world. And it also brings back the dragons, which kind of answers the question, you know, why did the dragons not come back when humanity did? And we kind of get the answer is that even though humanity was saved, they weren't united. And in that division where, you know, the nations being divided seemingly is what kept the dragons in stone. And it's when the five team members are together and put their pieces of the gem together and are holding each other as statues that it's them being united. And that's what brings the dragons back is that in that one moment, humanity was united. At least this section of humanity was united. And it works, you know? It's a, it's a nice, it's a beautifully animated scene. Yeah, and I love that that when Raya comes back and sees her her father again for the first time, that she comes back and and she introduces him to Kumandra. Yeah. His dream. His dream of the nation being reunited again. It's not a perfect movie by any means. Um, but it is a beautiful movie visually. Mm-hmm. And I do like a lot of the the metaphors in there that they're playing with. I don't know. I I really I really did did enjoy a lot of it. I did. I felt that I mean this is a solid 2-hour movie. It it does drag a bit in the middle. I feel like mm, it's a little bit long for what the story they're trying to tell. But once the movie really gets going in 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 that in that third act, it's all it's all forward from that point. Like that's if I had to make a complaint of the, about the movie, I think it's a little longer than it needed to be. That's just my thing. I don't know where you tighten it up or cut, but I feel like two hours is a bit long for this type of movie. Yeah, I I think it could have used a little bit of editing here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little little bits that maybe you could tighten a a minute here a minute there Mm. that might help but overall i i absolutely love the underlying message of it that message of uh don't give up hope and i mean it's it's a message that i think we needed at the time it came out and a message that we still need that you know don't give up on humanity things may be dark now but it'll get better Although a lot of us are still waiting for it to get better. <laughs> yeah, I I do think that the the idea of trying to find that bit of optimism and that bit of trust in a humanity that has maybe let you down a little too much. And, you know, I agree with you. It's it's hard. I mean a lot of right us can now. see a lot of us can identify with Raya, you know? She's seen the cruelty of man firsthand and how it ruined her life, her ruined her world. And then being asked, you need to trust people. 
when what ruined the world, what broke the world was an act of trust. So uh, let's ask the question. Does Raya and the Last Dragon have the magic, Kiki? I think it does. I right. I I really enjoyed it. I'm going to agree with you. I said I think Raya's are I think it's it has the magic. It's really good. Again, longer than I think it should be, but uh it's good. It's, it's worth the watch. So let's move on to next week. We are continuing our look at Disney's animated movies up for the best animated feature Oscar with Luca. Our, I guess this would be the first of our two-part Bruno episodes. <laughs> we got to be talking a lot about Bruno over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Silentino Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. What did Bruno do? Let's so ga- see if we can get to the bottom of the Bruno conspiracy. Yes, the Bruno spiracy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Come back next week for Luca. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.